Hello, I'm Kyle Corbwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look how to get the best out of your savings and investments. Today, I welcome back to the podcast Nina Kelly, who is our Editorial Content Manager at Interact Investor, and now just over four years into her investment journey. You may remember hearing Nina in February when she spoke to two authors who argued that investors were better off simply buying passive funds. Today, she's answering the questions, talking about why she chose the passive route with her own investments, whether her portfolio's performance is what she expected, and the lessons she's taking into the next four years. But before we go into that, Nina, could you talk us through why you started investing? Was there a goal that you had in mind that prompted you to start? I joined Money Observer in my mid-30s, which turned out to be a blessing for my finances. As well as being a nice place to work, it focused my attention on my money and I learned about investing. And I realised it was open to me and that it made sense for me as opposed to putting my money in a cash ISA or a savings account, which is what I'd always done before. So I was late to the party, but it never is too late. I had a few common kind of skewed ideas about investing, such as thinking I needed a substantial sum of money to start with. And I also didn't understand risk. I thought it was an all or nothing thing rather than a scale and that you could select your risk level. Um, I also learned that it's very rare to lose everything. And that I think is a common misconception amongst people that you feel like you could lose your whole life savings. And my goals were to save money for retirement and for anything else I might need it for. And do you have both an ISA and a pension? Yes, I do have an ISA and a workplace pension. And Faith Glasgow, who's the former editor of Money Observer, my former boss, um, has written pieces that are on the Interactive Investor website explaining the benefits of having a pension and an ISA together, um, especially when it comes to retirement. So, yeah. I, I do have that in place. And with the investments that you chose for your ISA, can you talk us through the thought process that you had at the time four years ago and ultimately what you ended up choosing? Sure. I wanted something that was low maintenance because life is busy and time is my most precious commodity. And I didn't want to have to keep checking my investment or rebalancing and But first of all, I had to learn more about the options that were open to me. So obviously at work, I was kind of absorbing lots of information about investing. But I also, outside of work, was reading around the subject, what a stocks and shares ISA was. Um, I'd only had, like I said, only had a cash ISA before. Um, I also learned why regular investing made sense. In the end, I chose a well-known multi-asset fund, Vanguard Life Strategy 80% equity. And for beginners listening, multi-asset means a mixture of equities and bonds, and the 80% refers to the equities or the, the shares part. This life strategy fund is one of Interactive Investors' quick start funds, and it's low cost, uh, which was also important to me. The ongoing charges figure is 0.22%. I think, you know, the Vanguard life strategy range, it's a, it's a great option for people, particularly beginner investors. It allows you to sort of invest in it and sit back and you you know you do have to still pay attention to how it's performing but you don't need to get as actively involved as you do with actively managed funds because after all with active funds you really want to ensure that you're getting value for money and that hopefully over time that that active fund is outperforming you know a stock market index 
and is outperforming rivals in its respective fund sector. And as you mentioned, Nina, you know, the annual charge of 0.22% for that range. I mean, that is, you know, if, you, if you've got £10,000 to invest, that's £22 a year. It's it's very compelling. Whereas a typical actively managed fund that's investing in multi-asset, you're looking at charges of around 1% a year. So it's considerably more. So, you know, I think in short, what passive funds give you, they give you effective exposure to stock markets at a very low cost. So four years on now, Nina, how has that fund performed and are you happy with the returns or or not? I've only held this one fund and I had a five-year plan and I will have held my ISA, the investment in my ISA for five years in April. Um, and I've read that conventional investing wisdom suggests that you hold this fund for a minimum of five years to enjoy a decent return and ride out the inevitable ups and downs that happen in stock markets. I also know now that investing for more than 10 years, it's the case that maybe investment trust would give you a better return. But having said that, fees are higher than the Vanguard fund I have. So there's that to consider. I'm also a bit worried by the weighting to the UK in the Vanguard fund that I have, which is, I think, around 20%. But having said that, because this is my only investment, that home bias isn't too concerning. But it's one of the things that I kind of I think about. From day one, when I opened my ISA, which was in April 2019, to date, my fund has returned 31.2%, which is roughly 7.8% return a year, if you think about it annually, in terms of four years. So that's not bad, considering all the events that have happened in that time, which is including COVID. Um, A colleague, Sam Benstead, has produced a video, um, a day in the life of fund manager series, where he meets... Monique Deer from Vanguard and he talks in within this video one of the subjects covered is the possible annual returns for the life strategy range over the next decade and I was very interested to see what this might be um, so that's yeah recommended viewing for fellow life strategy investors. And in terms of alternatives there are there are a couple out there that rival the Vanguard life strategy range so um, L&G have, have one and also so do a BMO well, probably the most direct rival is the uh, BlackRock MyMap range. So this range has eight funds, but there are, there are four versions of it that are um, more compatible with the Vanguard Life Strategy offerings. So these are called MyMap 3, MyMap 4, MyMap 5, MyMap 6. This BlackRock range is actually slightly cheaper than the Vanguard Life Strategy range because most of the funds in this range, they've got an annual fee of 0.17%. So slightly cheaper than Vanguard, but there's there's not that much in it. I wouldn't base my whole decision around the fact that it's 0.05% cheaper. But in terms of um, differences, so as you mentioned, Nina, you know, there's a, there is a home bias with the Vanguard Life Strategy range that the BlackRock MyMap range has less of. But the main difference is that BlackRock, it takes a tactical approach to these funds. So what it does is it it shifts the asset allocation around in terms of, you know, the stocks and bonds held. And it also has a small amount of exposure to alternatives. Whereas the Vanguard funds, they rigidly stick to, you know, having 20% in equities, 40% in equities, 60% in equities, 80% in equities, 100% in equities, depending on which fund or funds you, um, you choose. By having a more tactical approach, this BlackRock range, it could, you know, if it makes the correct calls, it could add more value and deliver for you. 
but then also it could work against you if it doesn't make the right decisions if or if you know the calls made don't pan out the way that the uh, the full managers expect was that a range at the time nina that you considered the blackrock my map range i think it was launched maybe just after or just before i started investing um this, today actually we've published a piece which compares vanguard life strategy with blackrock my map and the writer looks at various differences between the ranges i think it's important to stress that there's no right answer really like you say um for a beginner fund you could there's a variety of things you could choose it's just important that you do your research first so going back to the vanguard life strategy 80 percent equity fund so over the four years that you've held it have you been investing into it monthly and have you kept contributions the same each month or has there been some months where you've increased or decreased? I have done always monthly regular investing and the amount has changed and may change again in light of uh, the current mortgage mayhem <laughs> and any you know adjustments I might have to make. But yeah, regular investing makes sense because of pound cost averaging and when um, at some so at some stages you will be buying units of your fund at a higher value and at other times at a lower value because of stock market fluctuations. So monthly investing makes sense because then you're not worried about timing the market, which, as I'm not a professional fund manager, is not advisable for me to try and do. Yeah, it's a very good point, Nina. It's, um, it is described as a fool's errand trying to um, time the market, and that's because it is notoriously difficult to do or if not near impossible to do as well and i think another thing to bear in mind for beginner investors is you know you often hear tales of you know other people saying you know i've made x amount on so and so investments but you know you need really need to take that sort of thing with a pinch of salt and remember that they're not returns that you've made yourself and that you know the investments that you choose they won't always work in your favor and you know it's important to bear in mind you've got to be prepared to see uh, investments fall as well as rise. And I suppose another important thing is, you know, that this all comes back to the importance of understanding what you're investing in. And, you know, if you're investing in collective investments, whether that's active or passive funds, including exchange trader funds, ETFs, then it really is important to sort of drill down into the, um, the fund fact sheet, it's called, which is a very short document. It's typically three or four pages long as a PDF. And that should get across to you what the fund is intending to do. If you've looked at that document and you don't understand what the fund is trying to achieve, which, to be honest, it could be because it's poorly communicated by the fund management company, then for me, why would you invest in it? It's the same principle as other things in life. If you if you don't understand something, then why would you put your money with that product or service? In terms of the next four years and, and indeed beyond Nina, I mean, do you, do you envisage that your investments will change further over time? Have you considered adding more than just the one fund that you've got at the moment? I'm thinking about a self-invested personal pension or a SIP for a couple of reasons. Firstly, like a lot of people, um, I have several workplace pensions. So by consolidating, you can save on fees. And fees over time really eat into the money that you've squirreled away and there's lots of calculations on interactive investor the effect of fees so um, that's one reason to consider con if consolidation is right for you and another thing is 
a lot of people my age um, are invested in default funds and these are often lifestyle funds and they start de-risking in your 50s. And one of the issues might be that if you plan to go into a drawdown when you retire, you might actually want that money to stay invested rather than moving into lower risk assets because you want the money to, if you start to take income from your pot, you want the pension to be sustainable. So there's a few reasons to consider opening a SIP and kind of starting to take control of your pension. And you've mentioned, um, especially at the beginning, a couple of um, the lessons that you've learned over the past four years. Could, could you summarise what you think the main ones are? Yeah, I'd say I probably have four lessons. I mean, I'd been investing for a year when COVID happened. The market sell-off began on the 21st of February 2020, and the market then bottomed on the 23rd of March, uh, which was the date the first lockdown was announced by the then Prime Minister Boris Johnson. And the data tells me that the fund in my ISA fell by 17.3% from peak to trough. But I was very lucky because I wasn't about to retire, so I didn't need to call on that money right then. I didn't have an immediate need for it because I was extremely lucky to be able to hold on to my job during the pandemic and wait for scientists to deliver the, the vaccines. So I was very much a pandemic winner and I was grateful for that. And lesson one is really don't panic sell and wait for the recovery. Lesson two is to keep investing through periods such as COVID because if you have read about regular investing, you understand that during times when the market has fallen, you're buying units of your fund at cheaper prices. So you just need to keep going with the regular investing plan that you have in place. Another lesson is that ISAs and workplace pensions go together. So a tax-free ISA wrapper is an essential element of most people's financial planning for the future because when you're going to drawdown and you start taking your pension, you might want to take some cash from the ISA to manage your tax bill. Um, so yeah, there's lots of reading you can do around this and why that, that combination makes sense. And the final lesson is don't ignore your pension and think about it sooner rather than later. Don't wait till your 50s to think about your pension because there are lots of small tweaks you can make to ensure that pot is being built up so that when you need it, you hopefully will have a decent pension for your retirement. They're all very sensible points, Nina. It's great to see that you've become even more encouraged over the past four years, really, with your uh, the start of your investment journey and look forward to seeing how you get on in future years. My thanks to Nina and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like us to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website at ii.co.uk. See you next week.